I did not think I was intelligent. My grades and my GPA told me otherwise. How could I possibly be intelligent, right? This is my intro song. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Welcome Rarity Podcast. On this podcast, we talk about relationship with self, self-love, healthy relationships, all that good stuff. Today, I actually wanted to talk about ADHD because I have it. And I feel like my discovery and my journey with ADHD has a lot to do with how I came to accept myself and love myself and learn about myself. So I wanted to talk about it because it's a really big part of me, just as big, if not bigger, than my whole persona of loving yourself, loving myself, and trying to help others realize that they deserve to love themselves as well. So, I don't really know where to start. It kind of came to me because I was catching up with my friend Wayne last week. I actually was kind of busy at work and also busy in my personal life trying to catch up with old friends. And that's actually the reason I didn't upload an episode last week, if anyone even noticed. But I was talking to my friend Wayne about healthy relationships, healthy romantic relationships. And I I really want to talk about that. But given events that have happened recently in my life, I felt compelled to talk about ADHD, and I also did talk about this with my friend Wayne. He told me he had ADD, or it was called ADD previously, but it's now all under the umbrella term of ADHD, Um, and it was such a nice feeling to be able to relate to someone with ADHD. I think um, I have friends who are my age peers who question whether they have ADHD, but they don't know for sure. So it was nice to have a friend share his experiences with me about growing up with ADHD. And he had been diagnosed when he was in fourth grade. So he's known his life since a young age. Uh, And there was a time in my life where I wished I had been diagnosed that young. Um, I was actually diagnosed at 21. I'm about to be 25, so I've only really known about my diagnosis for about three years now. Yeah, so it's very different, and I wanted to talk about that because it was fun, and I think it's important, and I want to talk about disability and disorder more. It's a really big part of who I am. I feel very strongly about normalizing it and destigmatizing it. So let's talk about it. I guess I'll start out with sharing how I found out I had ADHD. Like I said previously, I found out when I was 21. So only a couple years ago, I was almost halfway through college. I had just had a really rough year transitioning into college. I didn't pass calculus. And I was struggling with finding my footing in higher education. I took an abnormal psychology class and the professor went over different disorders and learning disabilities and she stopped on ADD and she kind of 
I put a little more emphasis on it because she told the class that she had ADHD. Um, I guess to give a little side note, ADD, attention deficit disorder, and ADHD, attention hyperactivity, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder are the same based off of the DSM now. DSM is this basically this book of diagnoses that all the big psychology people base stuff off of, if that makes sense. Um, it's basically like a dictionary of diagnoses, and um, it's used a lot with regards to how to go about determining what disorders or disabilities or what have you um, a person may present. And if you don't know what ADHD is, it's basically, well, it's kind of hard to describe, but it is, it's, I think it's classified as a disorder where individuals have difficulty regulating their attention. And this presents in different ways. You might think of ADHD as a lot of energy, bouncing off the wall, can't sit still, your leg bouncing up and down, fidgeting. That's the stereotype of a hyperactive presenting ADHD. And then there's an attentive, which I found out I'm not actually inattentive. But up until today, I thought I was inattentive ADHD, which is basically... Again, the difficulty regulating attention. It's hard to focus on one thing. The stereotype is like daydreamy, space cadet, like your your mind is not here. You're not present. Your mind is elsewhere. And your mind is literally anywhere but where you currently are. And then there's a combination, which is a combination of the two I just described, inattentive and hyperactive, right? So... That's what I'm talking about here, in case you didn't know. It's a very watered-down version. I could go into way more details of how ADHD affects not just learning, but literally every facet of life. Um, but maybe that could be another episode. Anyways, um, where was I? I was listening to my professor describe her ADHD, and I thought to myself, this sounds very familiar, and I kept it with me and I thought to myself, is it possible? Could I? Could I have ADHD? So I went to my mother and I said, hey, um, like, do you think it's possible that I could have ADHD? And my mom, being the very solutions-oriented person she is, called up my brother's neurodevelopment specialist because my brother has autism. And she set it up and I've had an appointment to speak with my brother's neurodevelopment specialist and she kind of asked me some questions and she said that it was very likely that I had ADHD. And that's kind of when everything started to... Well, it's where everything should have started changing, but I will say it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that I had ADHD and to actually do something about it to help myself. Um, knowing I had ADHD was helpful in understanding why I was struggling academically and why it was so difficult to pay attention, uh, why it was so difficult to stay focused on certain tasks in school, basically my whole life, not just even college. But I didn't ever take the time to dive deeper into what this meant. Like I said previously, 
I could go into how ADHD affects everything else in my life, minus academia, how it affects my mood and how I perceive things and how I emote, how I hyperfocus on tasks, how I react to things. There's so many different things that I'm still learning about how ADHD affects me and affects anyone who, who has ADHD. And I didn't think about that. I just thought of it with the scope of school because that was my main focus. Just get through school. Graduate, Cindy. You can do it. Like, just graduate. And this is kind of the narrative that my parents had, too. They didn't know any better. It was kind of just like, okay, well, now you have this diagnosis, kind of, and the doctor gave you some medicine. So, well, doctor prescribed some medicine. The doctor didn't just give me medicine. That's illegal. And medicine... You're good now, right? Woo! Finish college. Um, that was kind of the mindset that I adopted. And I went on another year of school doing pretty well or f floating by, I guess. And then I hit another big hit where I didn't pass two classes, another two classes, and I was dismissed from the business school. And I had to really sit with that. I had to face that. I had to realize that what I was doing so far was not going to continue working, which is basically being the same as who I was prior to knowing I have ADHD, but just with a little medication now, right? Um, is it any surprise that it didn't really work out in, in the end? Um, I spoke about this on the episode of the podcast, Taft Tea House podcast. I was a guest on it. I think I mentioned it in the last episode. I had been a guest on that podcast. I spoke a lot about having this revelation that I needed to learn about my brain. I needed to learn about who I was. I had to relearn the things that were deeply rooted in my self-esteem from growing up not knowing that something was different about me. I thought something was wrong. I thought something was wrong with me. I thought I was lesser than and not enough because I would try really hard and still fall short. And I thought everyone was trying as hard as I was and just not falling short. They were accelerating or succeeding or whatever. Um, I had a lot of deep-rooted self-esteem and confidence issues. I had a lot of habits that I had picked up that were unhealthy coping mechanisms for a child who just didn't know that their brain was different and that they should be functioning probably in a different way that's a little more healthy or a little more supportive of the way their brain is wired. I didn't do any of that. It didn't occur to me. I just thought ADHD was, I can't focus in school which is a big part of it because when you're still in school and your your world revolves around classes and grades and class projects and internships that's your framework and if you're not doing well at that that's literally your whole job at that time is to be a student right so i was failing at the only thing i was supposed to be doing which is being a student so the framework of my life has been kind of skewed 
by not knowing that my brain is just a little different from everyone else's. Well, it's not typical. It's not neurotypical, I guess is the way to say it. And what changed that? What got me thinking, hey, ADHD is not just school, it's my whole brain, and I should figure out how my brain works. I was a camp counselor. I feel like a broken record because I feel like I've shared this story so many times. And it's the same story I shared on the podcast I was a guest on. So if that interests you, I'll, I'll leave the link in the description again if you're interested. Yeah, I was a camp counselor. I had a camper who... How do I describe him? He was off the walls, very high energy. He was he was super high energy, very physically impulsive, jumping out of his seat, shouting out things. He just had a lot of energy and he couldn't really contain himself. He couldn't sit still for activities that required a little more sitting and waiting and patience and those types of things. And in one of his little outbursts, he said, like, well, I have ADHD, and blah, 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 And in that moment, everything made sense. I was so confused as to why this camper was acting this way, and I, I couldn't think of why. Well, I'd never seen it before, I guess. I'd never had a camper like this before. And now I was. And when he said he had ADHD, it made so much sense to me. He's like, oh, I do too. I see you. And over the course of the camp, I really took in how his peers were interacting with him, how staff members were interacting with him, how he interacted with everyone else. I saw a lot of myself a kid who didn't quite fit with the typical peers, right? And it got me thinking about how young he was, but he knew, kind of, as much as a sixth grader could know what's going on with their brain, he, he knew that there was something different about the way his brain was wired. And I thought, wow, he's going to grow up knowing that. He's going to grow up knowing the context of his struggles. And because he knows and because other people know, they'll be able to support him in the ways that I couldn't have been supported because I just didn't know. I was in communication with this camper's grandmother. She was very, very accommodating, very sweet, very supportive. I saw her compassion with her grandson to communicate with me and other counselors and the other staff the best ways to interact with him, to understand him, and kind of just keeping check with her to tell her how, how he was doing with the others and in this environment that is not very ADHD friendly to some degree, right? 
And during one of my talks with the grandmother, I opened up to her and told her that I had recently found I had ADHD. Probably only a couple months ago, actually. And she responded with compassion. And she said, oh, that must have been so tough for you. You were trying so hard, but still struggling so much. And I knew that she understood her grandson's struggle. I'm getting a little emotional, but... This camper who I was observing and kind of reflecting, my seeing myself in, he had someone who understood him and was there to support him. Those were things that I had to learn to do for myself now that I was an adult, um, quote-unquote adult, right? We talked about that the concept of adult last episode. Um, I was an adult. I needed, I was grown. I was in college, not sixth grade. I had somehow made it through. Well, not somehow. I, my therapist would say, Cindy, you're very intelligent. That's how you got through high school and college. And I'd have to be like, yeah, you're right. Because <laughs> um, there was a time not too long ago where I thought everything that was good that happened in my life was just happenstance. I thought it had nothing to do with me, all coincidence, all luck. And anything that was bad, failures and disappointments and not reaching the goals I'd set for myself or the goals other people had set for me, that was all my own fault. I was at fault. I could have done better. I could have worked harder. But speaking to this grandmother and reflecting on this camper, I thought to myself, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know what my best is. I thought I was doing my best. I thought I was working really hard but then falling short. So then I concluded within myself, oh, I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not focusing hard enough. I'm not trying, I'm not enough, right? These are the things that buried themselves deep into my adolescence and my development and my confidence. And given that my parents didn't know and that teachers didn't know, they reinforced these things unknowingly to make me feel like I wasn't enough. I wasn't trying hard enough. I wasn't plying myself enough. When in actuality, I was trying harder. <laughs> I was trying harder than my peers just to fall short of my peers. Um... So this is where, this is where I was. And I took it all in and I sobbed a little, you know, just, just a little. And I went to my friend and I told them, I need to learn about myself. I've gone my whole life not 
not knowing about myself, not knowing how I function, not knowing how my brain works, thinking I did, obviously, I thought I did, uh, suddenly to find out I was wrong or misinformed might be a better word. And I needed to do that because I felt like other people got a head start and I shouldn't waste any more time trying to figure out who I am because who I am is rooted in what I've struggled with and why I struggled with these things. So I set out to get diagnosed properly, a full four-part exam <laughs> with lots of tests that I don't particularly remember, but it was interesting. And I, the test in itself, I learned a lot, but think about the evaluation. I have a whole write-up explaining my life to me in scientific terms. And I think honestly, ever since every doctor I see, every therapist I see that explains ADHD to me, explains a new facet of my life and my personality with respects to ADHD, just opens up a bigger, how do I describe this? It just makes me understand myself so much more and accept myself that much more. It expands my capacity to accept myself for who I am, accept my personality and my brain and my being for what it is. It makes sense now. And when it makes sense, it's a lot easier to accept. It's a lot easier to work with. As I kind of near the end of this story, because I'm kind of just present now I'm I went through therapy and got through college with a lot more bumps along the road and then transitioned into work with also more bumps around the road and every day I'm still learning about my brain just today I met with a psychiatrist to try and understand what medications might be best for me and different things about my childhood were brought up and she kind of flipped my whole understanding of my own ADHD on its head. And she's like, you're probably co a combination presenting. You're not just inattentive. There's hyperactivity in you. And she explained how my anxiety is probably caused by my hyperactivity. And I was like, oh, this is all making a lot of sense. And it's weird when science explains to you your life. Um, funny story. I was getting evaluated for ADHD and the student, it was, it was a grad student or a doctor candidate or something, um, shout out to her, love her, hope she's doing great. She was so sweet and kind and compassionate and I cried many times working with her because she just explained to me. She said to me, well, first let me finish the story and then I'll cry because um, I'm about to cry. She read me my evaluation, this report, basically, that she had to do on me. And she described things and she said, oh, people with this tend to have struggled with this in childhood and probably have this personality trait and this trait and this trait. And as she was explaining this report to me, I was like, I thought she was a psychic explaining my whole life. Like, how could she have known that this was who I was as a child? And this is these are the traits and problems I ran into in elementary school like how did she know and it's just science ladies and gentlemen and non-binary folks 
okay, so to go into why I wanted to cry, she she explained everything to me. She explained how it was very impressive, like given all my struggles, I still got so far academically. I graduated high school. I made it into college, a good college. I had kind of managed basically to almost finish college until I was kind of forced to refigure that out. And I I did a lot of that. I did that. I did that. She told me, you're very intelligent. You just have a lot of symptoms that get in the way. And I remember breaking down. And I'm kind of getting emotional thinking about it now, returning to that time in my life where I did not think I was intelligent. My grades and my GPA told me otherwise. How could I possibly be intelligent, right? But I couldn't deny it. She did a four-part evaluation on me. I spent many hours with my examiner. It was science. I couldn't, I, I could no longer deny the fact that I was intelligent and I was capable and something was just getting in my way. Something I didn't know about. Something I was still learning about. And today I was meeting with a psychiatrist and she like kind of, she was taking notes and she like picked up the paper and said like, you did all of this, you're very intelligent, you have high IQ, like you did this, you're very intelligent. And I was brought back to that moment when my examiner was telling me that like, you just have symptoms that get in the way. And it also brings me back to all these times in childhood where I believed I was not intelligent, I was not enough, I was lesser than. I don't want to sniffle again all, all episode, I remember the last time I did that, so I'm going to try and um, not do that. I don't even know the point of this anymore. Was the point to make myself cry? Because you did it, Cindy. You did that. Um, <laughs> all right. There's a resolution here. There was a purpose here. I wouldn't just share to share. No, I totally would. But um, there has to be a purpose to why I share. There's a purpose to why I share. <laughs> okay, the purpose to why I share is... I so happened to have a medical diagnosis that explained a lot of the things that I didn't like about myself, or rather associated with the things about myself that I associated with failure and struggle and pain, confusion, low self-esteem, and when I truly faced it and I explored it, I didn't run away from it. I dove headfirst into ADHD, which is me. I dived headfirst into me. I learned 
that this is just who I am, and these things about me that might have led me to struggle in a certain environment, this environment being academics, were also things that made me interesting and funny and charming and creative. I went through a lot of self-examination, a lot of relearning to be kinder to myself, to be compassionate with myself, to change the way I spoke to myself and saw myself because, I, again, I'd gone my whole life kind of thinking I wasn't enough and I was lesser than and I was this and this and that. Um, mine so happens to be with the framework of a learning disability. Yours might be something completely different. But I think regardless of what your reason is, what your explanation or diagnosis or whatever it is, you deserve, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve the cruelty that you put upon yourself. You deserve kindness. You deserve compassion. You deserve love. You deserve to give that to yourself. You are worthy of it. You are worthy of the love that only you can give yourself. And only when I did that, when I set out as a goal to learn about myself and love those parts of myself, did my life truly change? Did I start to see myself as worthy, as whole, as enough, as intelligent, as all these things that I had gone my whole life thinking otherwise? And it started with me, a choice, a commitment, a commitment to myself a commitment to stay by my side and figure things out and work things out and learn and grow and evolve and blah, 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 words, right? Um, this is where it is. This is where I am now. I'm still learning. I'll, I don't know if I'll keep y'all updated on the psychiatrist and stuff, but I don't even know if any of this made sense. I kind of feel like this every time I record that I've just like gone on and on and on and what was the point of the story, Cindy? Uh, but I hope it helps someone. I know it already has from me sharing in person, so I hope this reaches someone. And I hope even if you don't have a learning disability, I hope you still make the choice to choose you, to choose to learn about you, commit to yourself, commit to loving yourself and exploring yourself, understanding yourself, and not judging it, accepting it as beautiful and a part of who you are. Because once again, and I will continue saying this until the end of whenever, you're worthy of the love you can give yourself. You are enough. You are worthy. Give it to yourself. You deserve it.
This is my outro song. Oh, I was made for this.